The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous supporters. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash donate. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 153. One day, I shall come back. That's it. I've been renewed. As when a Time Lord's body wears out, he regenerates. I'm a Time Lord. I'm not a human being. I walk in eternity. Bravehearty. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited vice pudding. Position leaders. Wearing a bit thin. Fantastic. Allons-y! I am Scottish. I can complain about things. Should be fine. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the 10th Doctor story, Stolen Earth. Joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Yakin. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thank you. Folks, remember to like The Secrets of Doctor Who on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Secrets of Doctor Who. And then uh, retweet the shows on Twitter as well, where we're at SQPN, and leave us comments wherever you can, so that uh, really increases our engagement and helps get our stuff in front of more people on social media, and that really is really appreciated. Uh, all right, so we're talking about this episode, The Stolen Earth, which is the first of a two-parter of a season finale, sort yeah. of. Yeah, I mean, it's, maybe it's technically <laughs> it's season finale. Although there will be several episodes, specials, quote unquote, that mm-hmm. t- that will air originally aired over the course of months. The specials that culminated basically in, a year. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah essentially a year uh, that culminated in the regeneration. So this is really the end of the season, and it aired in June of two thousand eight. Uh, so we have the Doctor, and we have as companions. Donna, Rose, Jack, Sarah, and Martha. We have we are and overloaded with Mickey companions. Mickey and Jackie. Yes, yep. eventually in uh, Journey's End, we'll have Mickey and Jackie. So, uh, the, just the the basic recap for this episode: uh, Earth and twenty six other planets are stolen, taken to the Medusa Cascade, and no one can find the Doctor. And it's up to the combined forces of Unit Torchwood, Sarah, uh, Sarah Jane, and Rose to fight off the thieves who. Only have one thing to say to the resistance: exterminate. I, I, hmm. I, I didn't write that. I pulled that off of the TARDIS wiki. Someone else had a. Oh, I, I, that sounds so brilliant. Yes, brilliant. Uh, <laughs> so at the end of the previous episode, turn left. Uh, yep. The Doctor and Donna were on the China planet, and they got Donna had this vision in which she met Rose Tyler in an alternate reality, and Rose said to give the doctor the message, bad wolf. And when doctor right. gives him that message, the doctor realizes that she's encountered Rose and they run outside and bad. every piece of writing is bad wolf. Even on yep. the TARDIS door, it just says bad wolf over and over again. And so they're freaking out. They come back into the TARDIS. The lights are red and the, the cloister bell is sounding, indicating imminent disaster. They go to Earth. And when they step out on Earth at the beginning of this episode, everything is fine. It's Saturday, and the milkman is delivering milk. <laughs> yes. Please, sir, what day is it? <laughs> oh, yeah. no, it's like, actually more like Scrooge. It's Boy, Christmas what day, day is it? It's Christmas Day, sir. 
so a few I want to give a few preliminary remarks. First, this was the very first episode of New Who that I ever saw. Uh, oh, I, really? I, really? I stumbled across it, uh, I don't know, flipping channels or something, and was completely lost. <laughs> I had yeah. no idea what I was watching. <laughs> well, very, very much a wrap-up episode. I mean, yes. you know, they wrapped up all these companion storylines, basically, in right. one episode. It's Russell T. Davies closing up shop before the regeneration, and he hands things over to uh, to uh, Moffat, Stephen Moffat. I mean, that's kind of what we're doing here. Yeah. And so- Even though it's yeah. still a year and a half away from that actual- final regeneration right right uh, and i had a very distinct memory of somebody running outside of a building and looking up into the sky uh and seeing planets above earth uh, so that's so that was my first that was like i said i was lost um well another note this is the first appearance of davros in new who yes mm-hmm. and uh so that was it's interesting we'll talk more about that as we go along it's his um, sixth appearance overall after after Genesis of the Daleks, basically every subsequent yeah. Doctor Dalek story in Classic Who had Davros in it. Yes. But now we've had several Dalek-centric episodes with no Davros, and so this is his first time back. Right. Right. Um, oh, I do. I, I kind of want to mention that uh, right up front here that uh, there is a cameo it, as they're showing some news clips after the Earth is is moved and people on Earth realize something's gone wrong. There's a cameo that features scientist and famous atheist Richard Dawkins mm-hmm. as himself talking yep. about it. Dawkins is on here. Originally, it was supposed to be just, you know, old professor type that it was supposed to be. But Dawkins got the the, uh, the job because he was married to Lila Ward, who played— Lila Ward. L- Lala, I'm sorry, Lala, Lala Ward. Ward. I, I was, yeah, yeah. I was— Who played that. Romana too? Yes. Former companion of the Doctor. Yep. Right. They were uh, who were both. They were introduced by Douglas Adams, uh, mm-hmm. Dawkins, and and, uh, Lala. <laughs> and and she was also married by married previously to Tom Baker, the Fourth Doctor. Yep. Yes. Yes. It's a very <laughs> very wibbly wobbly connection, uh, timey wimey sort of connection. So um, very interesting. Yeah. And I, Douglas Adams was the, as we all know, the script editor uh, on the show in the classic run. So I thought that was uh, sort of interesting here. Yep. So let's. So as you mentioned, Jimmy, this was uh, really an immediately follow on from Left Turn, the the last episode. Um, turn left. So <laughs> turn left, left turn, turn, turn left. left. Uh, and uh, the doctor says, you know, after we get, he gets here and he finds, it, uh, sir, what day is it? It's Christmas Day. Uh, it actually, you know, it's funny that it's Saturday because remember what he said in Silence in the Library that he hates to land on uh, anywhere on Sunday because Sundays are so boring. There's nothing going on. Uh, so it's he happens to land on a Saturday, so nothing is boring today. Yeah. He says that uh, Rose crossing over from the parallel world where he left her means that the walls of the universe are breaking down. Okay, so that's what we've been told. And uh, so they they run back into the TARDIS, and then something shakes the TARDIS all over the place and the milk truck, which uh you, the, you know breaking things. And they look back out the door and. The TARDIS has moved, right? Or it hasn't, he realizes. The Earth has moved, leaving the TARDIS in place. Kind of like, you know, pulling the, the tablecloth out from underneath the set of china. <laughs> place yeah, setting. Exactly, the, the exactly. Earth got yanked out from underneath the TARDIS, and all it got was a little bit of a bump. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think that's a very interesting part of the mythology about the TARDIS, which is you know, the TARDIS is in, so inviolate, so in such that if you move the Earth with the TARDIS on it, you move a planet, the TARDIS doesn't move. It is, it is solidly where it is. 
Well, there's, they're very inconsistent about this because, yes. I mean, I, I, I get it. The TARDIS is locked into certain relative spatial coordinates, but it still should be moving at a thousand miles an hour just to be keeping up with yeah. the turning of the surface of the Earth. Right. Not to mention the orbit around the sun. Yeah. It, but I get it. And <laughs> yeah. it's fine. It's just <laughs> yeah. they're just very inconsistent about it because Mongol hordes show up and move the TARDIS or Daleks show up and move the TARDIS. They can totally do that. Yeah, because right, right. this episode, the TARDIS gets no. Next episode, I think is yeah, the yeah. TARDIS gets moved by the Dalek. Right. So yeah, so, so we can move and it can't move. <laughs> also, we get a shot of the Doctor's hand in a jar. Yep, which is going to play an important role next episode. Foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we get after after they realize the TARDIS is in space because the Earth has been moved. We then get a rapid series of intercuts between different places and they're all connected by a theme the initial theme is you need to look up at the sky you won't believe it right and we jump first to the new york office of unit where everybody is in shock and martha is there then we cut to the torchwood office in cardiff where everybody is in shock then we cut to ealing london where sarah jane and her son are then we cut to chiswick in london where wilf and mom are and finally, Rose appears on a street with a big gun as people are looting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, we, we, and we keep, as the story progresses, we keep cutting back between these different locations with the Doctor and Donna largely out of the picture for a good chunk of the episode yep. as we see the remnants of everybody who knew the Doctor struggling to cope with the situation. I thought it was very effective intercutting. Yes, mm-hmm. it was. Uh, and, and everyone, it, it's, they also have, everyone says, that's impossible. They look at the sky and say, that's impossible, or a variation on that, yeah. until we then see it, where they look into the sky and they see other planets in the sky of, of Earth. So really big. That, yeah. Um, the, the Doctor and Donna decide to go get help from the Shadow Proclamation because, you know, documents are really helpful that way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this is where they establish the Shadow Proclamation is not just a proclamation. It is an organization that the doctor describes as space police. Yeah, it's a yeah. posh name for police. That's <laughs> right. how he puts it. Uh, the, we, we are told that uh, 26 planets in the sky, the, the planets didn't come to Earth, that Earth moved. People from on Earth know this because... The stars have changed, so I thought that was a nice bit of you know yep. uh, tying up a loose end. And then uh, someone asks Jack, "Well, what about there's no sun? We're all going to die and freeze to death." And Jack says, "Nope. Someone has established an atmospheric shell to hold in the air and the heat." So again, another nice you know tying up some loose ends. Also, uh, these planets are the ones we've been hearing about turning up missing all season, like Adipose right. Three. <laughs> The breeding planet for the adipose, we were told yep. that was gone, so that's why yep. the adipose had come to Earth to breed. Also, the lost moon of Poosh that we my heard about in, in Midnight. Yep. I know, that's my favorite, too. <laughs> and a variety of other such worlds. Pyrovilia, which yep. um, uh, Donna had heard when they visited Pompeii, had gone missing. Yep. And right. so we've heard all these, these are the breadcrumbs that have been seasoned throughout the season for us <laughs> <laughs> you could say sprinkled even if let's leavened yeah. into the yeah. season <laughs> so uh it's the end of the world uh rem is playing in the background it's not actually and i feel yeah. fine <laughs> yes <laughs> well obviously uh, some of the looters when rose showed up sure were <laughs> feeling yeah, pretty good guy 
One guy who felt fine. Uh, they're running wild, and so she chases some looters out of her computer store so that she can use the computer to so access. So that she can loot the computer store <laughs> and <laughs> use, use right. the computer. By the way, I just speaking of the end of the world as we know it, yep. I was once flying back to San Diego and from points east. I don't remember where, but I was flying back to San Diego, and on our descent, a major power blackout struck Southern California. <laughs> and and so we landed with like no tower radar and stuff like that happening. <laughs> and wow, they, they and so we, you know, we put none of the usual procedures were done. We like got off the plane away from, you know, we didn't have a one of those runways <laughs> meeting the I mean, the jetways jet 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 yes. meeting the plane. And we we got down the stairs manually. We walked across the tarmac. We had to wait forever as our luggage was manually unloaded because the loaders aren't working. And <laughs> eventually, I get a cab, and it's like everything is shut down. And I just <laughs> couldn't, as I'm being driven home in this cab, in this land with no electricity, I'm just have it's the end of the world as you know it and i feel fine because it's this otherwise paradisical southern california environment yeah. just no power yeah i would have been having flashbacks to the langoliers uh if I yeah exactly yeah. exactly uh so the uh the we find out the daleks are coming through coming through space coming to the planet um jack both jack and sarah who have had experience of the daleks Pretty much both despair and figure they're dead and done for. This is it. We're dead. There's no way we can survive this. Um, and so the Daleks start attacking Earth and then declare the planet their own. With, you know, with two hundred saucers, so it's all about shoving more stuff on the screen. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, as many as we can. Uh, we, we also learned that Martha has in unit become the medical chief of something called Project Indigo, which will right. be important. Right. Uh, the Doctor at the Shadow Proclamation sh shows up there. Again, why doesn't the TARDIS translate Jadoon again? I, I have the same thing in my notes. J yeah. And the answer is just so the doctor can say things like Robo Mojo No No Ho No. Yeah. 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 I guess so. Because it, it, it's the one language that the TARDIS doesn't translate. Uh, they have someone called the Architect at uh, the Shadow Proclamation who explains about their. Tw she says initially 24 planets are missing. But then they realized, Don and the Doctor realized that there were three more that were stolen in time. So, uh, and that would explain, I think, the one at, uh, in the episode of Midnight, The Lost Moon of Poosh. Uh, mm -hmm. The Doctor finds out the planets are in perfect balance. That makes them yeah. a form of perfect engine, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, and he says, someone has tried this before. When did Davros yeah. try this before? So this is not Davros, but he says, someone the tried Dalek. to steal the Earth before, and it was the Daleks. That's what caused oh, him the to twig Daleks. that it's the Daleks he's dealing with. Because way back in the first Doctor's time, yep. the Daleks tried to build an engine into the Earth so they could drive it around space. And that occurs actually in the future, from our point of view. It was in the 2100s. And yep. that's the episode where Susan departs. That's so we're going to be getting to that soon. We're, uh, we're going to be getting to that soon, yeah. yeah. And yep. it was, it's called the Dalek Invasion of Earth. And they also made it into one of the two 1960s Doctor Who movies starring Peter Cushing called the Dalek Invasion of Earth 2150 AD. And it also features a young actor who we all know and love, Father Corey. 
Bernard Cribbins, also known as Wilf. Yeah, wow. so Wilf has actually fought the Daleks before as they were trying to steal Earth. <laughs> yep. That is that is a a big very big circle there. That is awesome. So uh, we go from that uh, to the uh, all hope seemingly lost. The Daleks are, are attacking you know all the military installations, including the unit offices in New York. And the uh, the general orders Martha to use Project Indigo to teleport away. Um, and that's and bef- what Project Indigo is, is an experimental teleporter. Captain Jack is opposed to using it because it's technology reverse engineered from some Santaran stuff, but they don't mm-hmm. have the bugs worked out. And when Martha uses it, he thinks she's been atomized. Right. Yeah. Uh, but the before she uh, be- beams away... Uh, the general gives her something called the Osterhagen key, which is not which is explained. Su- such a great name. It sounds like a Robert <laughs> yeah. Ludlum novel or something. Yes. The Osterhagen <laughs> key. They had it at the, at the, you know, the guns of Navarone, you know, of yeah. course, <laughs> where Eagles dare. Uh, so, uh, it would be a great movie. Um, to so, enforce uh, the Iger sanction. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but that doesn't get explained at all in this, uh, episode. Uh, we, then we see the Daleks and, there's a red Dalek in charge. He's different. He's a Dalek the Emperor. Supreme Dalek. The Supreme Dalek. Dalek Supreme. Supreme Dalek. Yep. Uh, Davros is... I like my pizza Supreme, too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's Supreme. Uh, so Davros is an advisor to him. Uh, we have um, Dalek, Dalek Khan. Khan. Yep. yep. So if you remember, he was one of the four Daleks in the cult of Skaro, who came at the... Uh, defeated by the Doctor of the Battle of Canary Wharf, and then again... In 1930s Manhattan, mm-hmm. and he he was the last of all the Daleks. He was the last one surviving, if you remember. And yeah. so what he did was he broke the time lock on the Time War to rescue Davros, which drove him insane. It well, made he, him he made into a prophet. An, he made an emergency temporal shift. In other words, he jumped anywhere in time, just get out of there, and he ended up in the Time War is kind of right. how I understood it. Right, right. But luckily for him. Um, but it drove him insane and turned him into a prophet of some kind uh, which is yeah. a very creepy Ma- little oracle it was it mad visionary yeah yep. i, I kind of like that ad- addition to it so you have davros the red dalek you know the supreme dalek and dalek khan all as sort of this this triumvirate of daleks which means that they're not monolithic they're not just yes. random dalek there's characters and personality in there which is makes this a better story than it otherwise would have been. And as we'll see, there there disagreements and tensions among them. Right. That's something that's definitely been a development with the Daleks, because of course, you know, your initial scenes of the Daleks is we obey, we obey. Right. Right. They were. If they, that's they were true, the why pork. do you need to keep affirming it? Why don't you just <laughs> obey? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, they were essentially like the Borg, and then even with the Borg, you had to develop the Queen so that there was a personality within. Within it, and they yep. just weren't a faceless mass. Um, but, by the way, speaking of creepy prophets, back at the Shadow Proclamation, Donna is suffering from feelings of in, inadequacy, given that she's just attempt from Chiswick, even though she can do a hundred words per minute, which is actually quite good. That's really right. impressive. So we have, in addition to the Jadoon who were there, we have the architect that you mentioned, who's this humanoid woman, but she's got red eyes and pinkish. Ear looking makeup around her eyes. She's got red irises in them. And, and she's got this pale. weird white yeah. poodle hair. <laughs> and there's another member of her race who we don't learn her name, but she's younger. And she starts talking to Donna, talking to Donna about how important she is. And Donna's feeling 
really inadequate. And the weird girl is like, I'm sorry for your loss. And she, Donna thinks she means the loss of Earth. And she says, no, I mean the loss that is to come. God save you. <laughs> and walks yeah. off. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. And so it's like, ooh, that's not at all uncomfortable making. <laughs> yeah. I do, I do like, though, that she has faith in God. That's nice. Yes. Well, she did, nice. and she also comments about there was something on your back. Yes. Yeah. Time yeah. Back the previous from turn left the Time Beetle from the Trickster's yep. Brigade. And then we hear the noise of the, the Time Beetle as she says it so to mm-hmm. make sure we don't miss what the reference mm-hmm. is supposed to be. Uh she and calls her. She says, "You are something new." That's the other thing she says. Yeah, you are something new. Uh, she's the Doctor Donna, which we'll find out. So uh, the doctor's looking for some signs, something, some evidence that something weird has been going on. And Donna says, "I don't know. The bees are disappearing." And the doctor then says, "That's it, because the bees, you know, are aliens. Uh, apparently, some of them. Some, some of them. Some bees are aliens. Well, I mean, we we knew that they were giant wasps, right? And the the unicorn yeah. and the wasp. So." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there may be the bees and the bee migrant bees use the tendaka scale which is a series of wavelengths as a carrier signal Ooh. is that is that just all baloney this is all bs yeah. okay i was like it's, i didn't know if there was some sort of like how bees find the the, the hive or something but okay but they apparently fo- can follow it to where the planets went because the yeah. transmet used the same wavelength that yeah. that moved the Earth. I don't know. Bees was, actually was... use dead reckoning in the sun. Okay, uh, and a and a little dance, which you know pro- yeah. proves the superiority of dancing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the 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 architect says, okay, well, the Doctor, you your TARDIS has now been seized. We need it to uh, lead us into battle against the Daleks. He says, oh, okay, okay. Well, wait right here. I'll be right back. And goes in. And shuts let the let door. me get the key. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I like how the, the architect is all dramatic. The shadow proclamation is declaring war, and you, Doctor, will lead us into battle. Mm. Yeah, and he's like, uh, okay, yeah, I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> doctor, come back! Uh, now the Daleks are done blasting things, and they're now rounding up all the people. Uh, very effective, I think, in the um, sort of the the horror of it, where like what, this this guy refuses to let his people, his family, get rounded up and takes them back into their house and says, no, we're going, and his wife and ki- kids, and the Daleks line up, and they blast the house. I mean, it's very, yep. like, oh, yeah. it's very emotionally uh, disturbing. I mean, it was mm-hmm. uh, very effectively done. And for comic relief, Wilf has a paint gun because he apparently <laughs> forgot about the actual firearm he's got that we'll learn about in, in a few specials from now. Mm. Right. But he's got a paint gun, and he uses it to splop on the Daleks' eye stalk. Good thinking yeah. on Will's part. I mean, obviously, the Daleks have, must have thought of that because they don't have hands to wipe their eyes off, so they have a way of clearing it. But you know, good thinking on Will's part. I yeah. have to say, and it's great to see, it's great to see Bernard Cribbins battling Daleks again after yep. all these years. <laughs> yep. And in Classic Who, it probably actually would have worked. <laughs> right, right. I do like the idea that that uh, Wilf has a paintball gun that he plays paintball on the weekends or something. Yeah. <laughs> too, too bad Ace isn't here. She could take out the Daleks with a baseball bat, as she's done before. <laughs> yeah, yep. there you go. Doesn't even uh, need Nitro Nine; just whack them. So exactly. uh, after w- uh, Wilf's failed attempt to blind the Dalek, uh, they're about to get blasted, and Rose shows up just in time uh, and blasts the Dalek with, into with bits, her big is, gun. Yes, yeah. she's got a nice big gun, um, and she needs them to find Donna because to find if she finds Donna, she finds the Doctor. 
meanwhile, the Doctor and Donna show up in the Medusa Cascade, and there's nothing there. And he basically gives up. Well, I'm done. Like, what do you mean you're done? And Donna kind of says that. Like, what do you mean you're done? You're, you're never done. Yeah. He also explains, he mentions he's been to the Medusa Cascade before when he was just a, a youngster, like 90 years old. And he yes. explains that this has a dimensional rift in it, which is going to be important because this is a point that connects to all the other realities because of that rift. Right, mm -hmm. right. This is why the Daleks chose this location. So uh, the UN uh, surrenders the commander general, which is probably is different not a from position. the sec. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't just say Secretary General, but okay. Uh, it surrenders, everyone's giving up. Then Harriet Jones makes a connection to all of the Doctor's companions using this uh, subwave network it, it, and this software that seeks out anyone who can contact the Doctor. The software was invented by the Mr. Copper Foundation. If you remember, Mr. Copper was the Earth expert from the space liner Titanic. Oh, I've mm -hmm. missed that connection. Yes. I, I like how, so it's not just anyone who can contact the Doctor, but anyone who's had contact with the Doctor. Mm -hmm. And I love how her character, they use her, her character quirk from all the way from when she was just a, a, a representative of like a pocket borough. Yeah. You know, Harriet Jones, this place. Yeah. <laughs> right. And everyone, yes, I know who you are. So now it's Harriet Jones, former prime minister, and she whips out her ID for everybody. Yeah. It's like, yes, we know who you are. And and eventually, it's going to be the Daleks. Harriet Jones, former prime minister. Yes, we know who you are. <laughs> yep. That was good. That was good. So speaking of Mr. Copper, apparently they were originally going to bring back the actor, Clive Swift, who played Mr. Copper in Voyage mm -hmm. of the Damned, but changed it because Swift did this interview for Doctor Who magazine in which he it kind of went off the rails. He insulted the interviewer the franchise, and the fandom mm. in general before walking out of the interview. So, wow. Yeah. So Oops. Uh, he, he, that guy burned a bridge. But uh, but we have the at least the characters uh, here uh, in some form. Now, uh, Rose can hear them co uh, communicating, but she can't communicate back because Mom Sylvia did Mom <laughs> wouldn't let Wilf have a webcam because they're naughty. <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> that is so funny. Uh, I know that. That's why that's I so, have that's so 2008, though. I mean, yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah. They come it built is... in now. You can't avoid yeah. them. You, I put the, the best you the can do is put a piece it. of tape over them. Yep, exactly. I like though that create. So what that does is Rose is not able to interact. She can hear and see what the other people are doing on the subwave network, but she can't announce anything to them. Yeah, so they don't know she's here, and it creates this poignancy. On Rose's part. Unfortunately, they forgot the, the text chat on that version of Skype. <laughs> yeah, there's no text yeah. chat in the subwave network. I really love the concept, though, of Harriet Jones putting together the Doctor's secret army, you know, right. to, to care for Earth when he can't be found. Yes, that was her goal behind this, which which sort of, um, well, I'll get to the second, but the people that she's talking to are Jack, Sarah, Sarah Jean, and Martha. And, you know, Harriet says, uh, you know, you know, Someone asked her about uh, the doctor removing her as prime minister, and she says, you know, I wasn't wrong before, because her point was, what do we do when you're not around, doctor, and the, these things happen? I mean, that's precisely the point here. Right. It was the point in this, but it was also the point in turn left, mm -hmm. you know, that, that, that what happens to Earth when the doctor's not there? Everybody else has to, has to be able to step up and, and take care of Earth. 
And that's one of the things she's doing. Well, what's, apparently what you do is you get the doctor, you call the doctor to come yeah. and save you, which is what she's doing. Or you do the best you can with the people who are left, which is what proceeds to play out. It's nice, really. It, also, we get some nice role reversal here between Martha and Rose, because as they're assembling the people on the subwave network, Harriet says there's one more person to be contacted, and Rose is thinking, it's me! And then, no, it's Martha. And Rose <laughs> is like, who is she? And, <laughs> yeah. and she's resenting the fact that Martha is part of this thing, and she is excluded. And it's such great role reversal for all those times that Martha was resentful of how the doctor was pining over Rose and, oh, Rose this yeah. and Rose that. And it's nice <laughs> to see Martha having similar feel uh, Rose having similar feelings with regard to Martha. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, so they, they, they devise this plan of having all the phones on Earth because, you know. Because uh, it's always all the phones on Earth. <laughs> Oh, That's right. Yeah. All the phones on Earth make a call at the same time to boost the signal. It's just so silly. What does and, that even and, mean? And if so, why do Wilf and Mom and Donna have to be dialing their phones if Mr. Smith is dialing every phone on Earth? <laughs> right, yeah. right. 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 Well, but yeah. at least well, every we get phone this... exchange. They said every phone exchange, not every phone. Yeah. Mm. So the exchange is mm. the, the phone company system, but still, same still. idea. The we do get to see the doctor's transtemporal phone number though. It for the what? record, it is zero seven seven zero zero nine zero zero four six one. And that is a phone number in England. It's kind of like the any phone number you see on American television that has a five 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 exchange. Okay. It's it's reserved for TV. If you call that, you're not really going to get anything. And this oh. is the British equivalent of that. It's a phone number that's reserved for television shows and it's a deadline. So loads of fans called it and got nothing. <laughs> oh. oh, they didn't even have a recording. Like this not is the even doctor. a recording. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> you know, I'm off the... saving the world right now. Yeah. yeah. How hard would that have been? When when the old pop song eight eight six seven five three or nine came out, mm -hmm. they did actually put a put something on that line for you when you called it. There was you heard something. Well, there there uh -huh. were still there were actual uh, area codes where people had that number. Just regular people had that number, and then the song came out, and all of a sudden they're getting all these calls because kids From would just pick up kids. and dial eight six seven five three zero nine. Yeah, and so That's people fun. have to change their number. <laughs> yes. Anyway, so the call uh, tells them that they, they pulls the Doctor and Donna and the TARDIS one second into the future because the Cascade has been put a second out of sync with the universe. And thus in a pocket of time. And that this is nonsense because if it was <laughs> yeah. a second into the future, all they had to do was wait a second and the planets would appear. Well, you know, they'd always be one second behind, I think, is the idea. The idea yeah, no, the idea is like time this is, is nonsense. You know. <laughs> this is scientific nonsense. Well, yes. It is well, but but don't, you know, don't you know that time acts like you know, two cars on a highway where you know, if you're going the same speed, you'll never catch up? Yeah, exactly. That's what they're saying. No. You're out of phase. You have to reverse the polarity. Come yeah. on. If you're going to want to say they're in a pocket universe or they're out of phase, just say that. Don't add a nonsense explanation using real scientific terms. Yeah, that's true. So uh, Donna sees that all the people show up from the subwave on the doctor's screen on the TARDIS and says, it's like an outer space Facebook, which is a bit remarkable because Facebook in 2008 was still like brand new as a something that just anybody could join. Like it's, mm -hmm. it would exist, had existed for a few years. 
as a college thing, it was just, it was still actually pretty brand new. So it's kind of, I thought that was kind of funny that we have this this reference here. It's Outer Space Facebook. Donna would be into social media. Yes, she yep. totally would. <laughs> Dalek Khan uh, senses that the the Doctor has arrived, and he calls him the Dark Lord, which is fun. Mm. Uh, then the the doc the Doctor uh, communicates with Davros, and he says, "I saw you die in the first year of the Time War at the." At the gates of Elysium, when you flew your command ship into the jaws of the Nightmare Child, which has anyone like written That's... anything about this? Because really, I want to know what all this is. I, I, I believe the Nightmare Child has been written or has, has appeared in alternate media. What they've done, it, what Big Finish and others, but what Big Finish has done is they've taken references that the Doctor has made to things in the Time War, like the Army of Neverwars and and the uh, mm-hmm. and various other things, and they've and they've started exploring that period. They did a series of audio uh, sets with John Hurt as the War Doctor, mm-hmm. and then after he passed on, they've now started to do sets with Paul McGann in the early phases of the Time War. Oh, cool. so there's there's slowly st- and oh, also we have a couple of series out so far with uh Derek Jacobi as the War Master. Mm-hmm. Right. And also there's one coming out with the War Valiard. Ooh. Since the the Time Lords decided he would be a nice sinister guy to have on our side in the Time War. <laughs> yeah. So uh the of course the Doctor had tried to save Davros before he died at the gates of Elysium. But what happened and, and then died, but what happens when Dalek Khan shows up, he gets through the time lock, he saves Davros, who then grows a new race of Daleks from his own cells, and then he opens his jacket to reveal like apparently he doesn't his cells don't regenerate like everybody else's. Uh yeah, and it's, it's a, gruesome. It, yeah, that is uh, as you uh find saying, Jimmy, that is some body horror going on there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the doctor's line though, where he says, you know, he's talking to Davros, he says I have just one thing to say to you. Bye! And he severs the connection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally going to use that someday. Uh, so, uh, Dalek Khan has another prophecy. He foresees death for the most faithful companion. Ooh, who could that be? Who, who's most faithful? Raise your hand. Oh, and, yeah. and why does nobody raise their hand? Uh, so <laughs> the, uh, the Daleks find Torchwood just as Jack teleports out uh, and starts attacking the air. Rose teleports uh, as well, and then Sarah Jane gets in her car all to go uh, where the Doctor is going to appear. And the we have uh, this scene of the Doctor and Rose running to each other across a post-apocalyptic landscape until a Dalek shows up and blasts the Doctor with a glancing fatal blow from a uh, Dalek uh, blaster weapon. And then Jax kills the Dalek so everyone else doesn't die, too. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, they're outside a church. Is this the church where the Donna was supposed to get married? Did you notice that? I don't think I, it was that one. I, I think wasn't it? Um, it was used. It was used in another, another one. I just can't. I'm I'm blanking on it though. Yeah. But oh, okay, no idea. We've seen a lot of churches in Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. It, it did look familiar. Maybe even in the that one where they where um, Rose's parents got married. That might have been the mm-hmm. one too. And so the doctor announces as the big shock for the end of the episode, I'm regenerating. And Donna does not know what that means. But Rose and Jack know exactly what that means because they were there when when Christopher Eccleston regenerated into David Tennant. And meanwhile, to give us a, a rolling cliffhanger, 
the Daleks are also about to kill Sarah Jane and the folks at Torchwood. Right. The yep. end of the episode. So this freaked out fans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because there had been no hint that David Tennant was leaving at this point. Yeah, you know, we right. we eventually he'll eventually regenerate, you know, in a year or so later. But at this point, people are like, what is going the doctor's regenerating because we've never had a regeneration start that didn't go to completion. And so mm-hmm. uh for the for a week, people were freaking out online trying to find out what was really going on here, who is going to be the next doctor. And uh yeah. so it was it was very interesting. To and it have turns that out the happen. next doctor was David Tennant. Yeah, exactly. As they retconned in, was it tri- uh, time of the time time of the doctor? That was a regeneration. He just never changed anything. Yeah, right. Which we'll right. talk about at the beginning of Journey's End. But it yes. does. This was a great cliffhanger, and it was the first. Even though we didn't know it at the time, it was the first regeneration fake out of certainly in modern Who. Yeah. Right. Unfortunately, Peter Capaldi in his last season would have multiple regeneration fake outs, which really cheapened the currency of the realm. Yep. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it, so it, lo- it has totally lost its its drama. And so I hope I hope we, we don't do this, at least for, for several more doctors, shall we yeah, say. Or ever before, again. Or, yeah, or ever. <laughs> <laughs> they need to forget this idea even exists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we've, we've used it. We're done. Let's see. Is there anything else we need to be said about this before we finish? Uh, Father Corey, do you have any other notes on this? The UN gets mentioned a lot and no one listens to them. You know, they, <laughs> they issue an edict to stay calm. And of course, no one listens to the UN like in real life. But they do have ultimate code red, not just code red, ultimate, ultimate code, code red. red. That sounds like <laughs> a, a Mountain Dew drink. Personally. <laughs> um, they brought back resistance is useless, which does predate the Daleks used long before the Borg were ever thought of by Star Trek. Yeah. Um, and then I love I thought it was a you know good ending for Harriet Jones that she gave her life that they could contact the yes. doctor. That was a good that was a heroic ending. That was very good. Uh, Jimmy, what, uh, any other notes? No, other than I think that um, this helped i I like the way it tied in to previous who including all the way back to the dalek invasion um and people have pointed out the silliness of the daleks plan to install a motor in the earth and drive it around space but (laughs) this kind of redeems that they've got an actual purpose for why they would want to do that right and so i thought this was a very enjoyable episode and i find just to preview the next one i find most of the next one also very nice but there's one thing that happens at the climax i'm very not happy about with the uh continuation of this okay well we'll have to we'll have to have a little uh, to be continued on that then uh will be very interesting uh by the way when to be continued appears on the screen here unlike most two-parters there is no preview of next week yes. because if they t- if they showed you anything from the next episode, you would know that the ne- that the regeneration was a fake out. So they they showed nothing, uh, which is interesting. All right, so uh, let's let's wrap things up with uh, let's say that uh, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including Kevin B, Nathan V, Kim L, Michael S, and Craig C. Their generous donations at sqpn.com/give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. 
so that's it from us. What did you think of that Stolen Earth and the first part of this two-parter? Let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page, or send us an email to Who at sqpn.com. And we'll be back next week when, of course, we'll be discussing the second part of this two-parter, Journey's End. Until then, Father Cory Stika, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. Well, thank you, Dom. And Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And I've got just one more thing to say to you. Bye! Right. This is going to be fun.